We're doing the thing. We're doing it again. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> and better than ever. I've missed you so much. Can I just I say that? I Can I just say too. that? Kid, we'll say it. I've missed you so much. We always we always talk like we're siblings or something. Like after we, we kind haven't of are. after we haven't uh, we kind of are. We haven't seen each other in so long that it's like it's a fucking travesty. Right, and, exactly. And life is relentless. <laughs> and we need <laughs> we need to record something for the YouTube at some point too. I love like if, if love you have a game you want to play through, you let me oh, know. That's a great question. Actually, I need to think about that because that's really that's a very good question. So I'm playing through Dead Space the entire series. <laughs> I'm playing through the entire <laughs> series with someone right now, and I put up the entire first game uh, before Halloween. Uh-huh. When I when I take my next break, I'm gonna put up the second one, but we're we're playing through the third one right now, and it's a uh, it's let's let's just say it's a little uh, complicated. I have one fear, actually, I have a thousand fears. You have many fears. Days. I was gonna call I was gonna call bullshit almost immediately <laughs> on that statement. You have many fears. I have every fear, actually, every fear that's ever existed. I that's have fair, it, and then I've got it twice. That's um, fair because you're a human and you have logic <laughs> and you can see these things for what they are. <laughs> Listen, Dead Space is so scary. I like, oh, yeah. I had an I had an ex boyfriend. That actually, the guy who got me into video games, much love to him, great guy. Shit. <laughs> he got me into video games, and he gave me fucking. He didn't tell me what it was. Yep. And he was like, "It's a space game." Have and I fun. was like, "Well, I've newly played Mass Effect. I liked Mass Effect. I like Star Wars. I like space games." Can Let's I fuck try. aliens in this game? And he was Yay. like, yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And you put That's, in Dead Space and you're like, this is this sounds like a good time. That's exactly what happened. And then the first motherfucker popped out of the wall and I literally like I almost died on the spot. Like, yeah. it, uh, it was just terrible. I'm pretty sure. So I told the story on the recording of the first game, but uh-huh. um, best friend Franz McBoohoo, big gay, tells yes. me um tells me that it's it's just like any other action space game because I love Halo. He right. goes, it's just like any other shoot 'em up, you know, space game. And I'm like, okay. Oh, and I'm like, Dead Space, like I know this is like horror, but like how horrifying? I was like, is this scarier than Resident Evil 4? And he goes, no. Motherfucker, it has the same <laughs> opening as Resident Evil 4, which he is lied. let me walk in with my crew to a hostile location and watch them all die and be forced to run out of there. It is literally note for note the same fucking opening as Resident Evil 4. It's unkillable, unkillable enemy, nothing to fight it with, fucking run. Becomes becomes your opening. (laughs) Right. Becomes your opening narrative. I think I shit and threw the controller across (laughs) the room at the same time. Yeah, pretty much. There were it there was cleanup involved. It was not nice. I I almost I died. I, I remember died him thinking it was really humorous. Um <laughs> and and looking back on it I do too, like really because there are a lot of games I reacted to that way. Um but but now as as what I would call a seasoned gamer, 
Um, I, I value the Dead Space series for what it is, which is just a really um, a, a love letter to like John Carpenter, Ridley Scott, you know, sci-fi epics. Uh, and making even even sad. Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All of whom go out of their way to make me as sad as possible. Make you very scared monsters. and very upset. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's exactly. fair. <laughs> so, <laughs> so speaking so speaking of terrifying monsters in the past, the reason that I wanted to move into this is because uh, I was recently. Um, yeah, in you the said mountains. you had a fun story. I'm, it is, I'm it's ready. A fun you know, it. Welcome to lots of pasta, folks. I love fun stories. <laughs> so, oh yes. So it's, this is this is of course Captain Death with with co-host Cannibal Siren, um, who I feel like I've I've introduced, but I just want to make sure it's known. Um, fun story. Go. Fun story. Okay. So I know that I've talked a lot about how, like, you know, I, you know, grew up in a rural area, blah, blah, blah. You know, you see some creepy things. Um, my grandmother's house is uh, actually in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's completely isolated. I like, love there is, the Blue Ridge. There is yeah, that's a great around. area. We'll go sometime. Honestly, I would love I would love to go down there on like a group trip because like, A, it's free. B, the view is spectacular. And C, there's no cell service or anybody around except God and some bears. So, you know, such a good place to do drugs. Right, exactly. It's great. I listen. I bring so many, so many drugs every time I go there now. <laughs> totally worth it. That is the place to do psychedelics. Yes, exactly. So this is, a, uh, for the record, disclaimer. I was completely sober for the events of this very brief and uh, terrifying story. Great. So, um, the first, so we get there on Saturday night, and it's just me and my partner. So we're completely alone in the house, which is actually the first time that I've ever been alone in that house because you know it was my grandmother's house. And, you know, at this point, she's been she's passed like for a couple of years now. She passed back in 2018. R.I.P. Grandma. So, yes, R.I.P. R.I.P. Winnie. You were amazing and brutal. I miss you every day. Thank you for calling me the Wicked Witch of the West one time at Thanksgiving. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, yeah. She was fantastic. What an angel. She was, oh, yeah. You she she told it exactly how she thought it was. And she didn't give one fuck. Not gotta even love one. it. Yep, exactly. It definitely, I come from a long line of matriarchs who really didn't fucking care about anything. So, um, anyway. <laughs> you are a living example, and we exactly, love it. Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, we're, we're fucking around in this house, and I'm, like, you know, pulling sheets off the bed to, like, wash them and everything, and, you know, doing adult things to prep for the rest of my family coming up. And it's, at this point, it's pitch black. Like, it's nighttime. And what's great and also terrifying is that, you know, nighttime is like nighttime. Like there is. Oh, yeah. Out there, out there, you know, you have to make your own source of light. Exactly. It's just completely like there is nothing up there. The view is spectacular, though. And what's great. The sky, the sky is amazing. And and during the time, it depends on time of year that you're there, but it'll light up. You know, it'll exactly your eyes will adjust at some point. But Mm -hmm. if if you're talking like recently, like Mm -hmm. when was this? So this was about, this was last Saturday, and it was about, like, uh, it was, like, 8, eight o'clock So if, if it was recent, then you got those cold, dark nights. Uh-huh. You're looking at those black dusks. Exactly. <laughs> so I've talked before a little bit about how I've had, like, I mean, I'm a very skeptical person, hilar- despite my constant cowardice and, like, general fear of everything. Like, I'm very skeptical. You and I have I, covered the gamut. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and I've said in the past that, you know, I've had like possible supernatural experiences, but every time that it might have happened, I've just decided to go to bed and to ignore it because fuck you, I'm not coming. Not dealing with it. I'm not doing it. 
No. So the I'm only like, logical, walk- you know, alien <laughs> alien tries to abduct you. Fuck you. I'm going to sleep. Yep. Exactly. Ghost, what are you going to do? Ghost tries to touch your butthole. Fuck nope. you. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to bed. What are you going to do? I'm not monster remember. boy outside scratching to come inside. Fuck you. I'm going to sleep. You're I'm not, going to bed. You're not my cat. Oh, that's oh, you're going to pretend to be my mom outside when there's nobody out here and I she's definitely 10 hours away. Fuck you, I'm going to sleep. Fuck you, that's I'm not going my to mom. Sleep. Right. Exactly. Right. We got so it. So, I come up the stairs and I'm like, you know, I'm carrying all of my shit and it's like it's really really dark. I'm looking for the light and I'm like, okay, like I'm creeped out because I'm a reasonable human being. And I turn to go down the hall and I hear a whistle. Like a full-on like, it's just a very quiet but very clear whistle. Human it, or, like, like a coach? Human. It sounded like it was coming outside. And we all know huh. about whistling at night, don't we? <laughs> it's not the first time I've ever heard something like that, but it was the first time that it was that clear and that close. And, like, my, my partner was, like, downstairs. He was, there was absolutely no way it was him because I would not have been able to hear him from downstairs. Because of how, mm. you know, the distance and everything. And I, I heard it and I, like, froze. And I thought about, um, you know, <laughs> um, what was the name of that story we read? Oh, fuck. It was, like, the one with the, the super fun things in the woods, like, making all kinds of noises and trying yeah. to come in and stuff. Yeah, That's so the I thought romantic about that. cabin getaway. That's it. Yes. I was thinking of the romantic cabin getaway immediately. That it's was a, like, fun, I, it's I, a fun I, title to a story <laughs> that has nothing to do with the title. That's, nope. that's why I like it. Exactly. I was one of my favorite stories we ever read. But yeah, yeah, I I I heard that and I paused for exactly one minute and I was like, hmm. I didn't care for that. No. And then I ignored it and went on with the rest of my night. Right. Right. No, <laughs> because because if it story. if it's something, so let's be honest, if it's something trying to be noticed, it would do it multiple times. Right. If exactly. you caught a glitch in the matrix at the time it happened, mm-hmm. you are going to convince yourself that it's just deja vu and you're going to get over it. Right. Exactly. Oh, what an odd sensation that was. And, exactly. and it's done. The thought is done. The thought has already crossed your mind. Mm-hmm. You recognized it. You gave it the thought it needed. And then you moved on with your life because exactly. if it's not going to continue happening, it's not a part of your problem. So, right. So that's that's really interesting. I actually did read a story. I actually I need to take out my phone for a second and see who I read this with, because I don't think it was you. There is a story called something walks whistling past my house at 3 a.m. or something like that. You read stories with other people, dude, dude, I I hate to break it to you this way. (laughs) My guy, I hate to break it to you this way. I thought you were kidding. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. You are one of my favorite guests, but you are not the only guest. Unfucking believable. I'm just kidding. As long as I'm a favorite, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. It is. So I could blame it on my zodiac chart, but I think I'm just a selfish person. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I Great. understand. Good talk. I'm still trying to find this fucking track. One second. Oh, it was episode 198 with Django. Okay. I didn't even didn't even remember this was him because I think I read the story. Right. Um it is something walks whistling past my house every night at 303. 
And yeah, that's it, that's a no from me. It, no, <laughs> the only reason I'm telling you is because you should listen to it because it's very fun. So I'll, I'll give you a brief su- summary right here. All right. All right. I'm ready. A family moves into a new neighborhood, but the neighborhood is like too good to be true. Right. That was the all the neighbors mistake. are super, super sincere. They give like multiple treats upon like they're very welcoming neighbors mm-hmm. and they give you like tons of food and they welcome you to the neighborhood and they introduce you to their wonderful smiling family and their wonderful jobs and they talk about themselves but all of them give you the same advice okay at night close all your windows lock all your doors and definitely definitely don't look outside from like the hour of like three to four um you might hear something (laughs) all that they say is something you might hear something uh don't don't look And at first, the family just thinks it's a big joke, right? Because, like, a joke that they're not in on. Because everyone keeps saying the same thing. But the last of the people to introduce themselves to the neighborhood is, like, the fucking, like, homeowners association. Like, the the fucking, like, the people who take care of the neighborhood. The HOA. (laughs) Yeah. The person, the true enemy of the story. They're the ones who come up and say, we know people are telling you this rule. Um, I really am going to call it a rule. Um, I'm being serious. Don't you or your kids look outside uh, at all during the night. We have a very strict curfew. I think they say, like, we don't want to see people outside past midnight. Right. Okay. I don't know. If my kid fucked up like that hardcore... I might just like open the door and kick the kid outside (laughs) to get a good night's sleep. Like you don't fuck with me in my sleep, dude. Like, no, I'm a very tired boy. One of my (laughs) chats with my friends is called sleepy boys because we just fucking like to sleep. I love that for you. I love it for me. me. And, and I don't, I don't sleep, which is why when I crave it, you know, I get a lot of it. Yeah, so, I I feel you. I have I'm like the opposite though, where I like I'm also terrible at sleeping, but I just even when I do the best the best I can do medicated is like seven hours. For that's me, it's like, about six. I, yeah, I can never like, really get get past six, so I find myself taking increment naps. Right. I'll probably. What was last night? I slept from like nine to midnight, and then I was up till three, and then I went back to bed and woke up at like eight. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Good to go to work," <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's not that's not too bad. It's like you did get. I did get did, my eight hours. It was just right, split. Just well, don't they don't they say that that's like closer to how like you know early humans used to be? Like we used to only sleep in like three to four could, hours. Could I imagine because... that that makes a scientific amount of sense? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they're you know gotta watch out for the sitting in a cave making sure you're not getting eaten by a saber-toothed lion right a or even lion. <laughs> or even later on like making sure my family doesn't get murdered by romans or <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean yeah i was gonna say people because we're the worst but right. but yeah bears <laughs> bears are I'm very sorry. sorry i've been on that bear stuff because uh the bear also side note while we were also up in the mountains we discovered that the uh fish pond was destroyed and we like got a little close and it had some pretty big ass tears in it like something very large had stood in oh, it for a long time wow. yeah so all the fish were gone and we were like huh 
somebody had an all-you-can-eat sushi buffet yeah, pretty before much. hibernation. So, yeah, I, I've been on bears lately. It's a shame we can't pet them. They're so fucking cute, but they'll, you know, rip you from head to toe. I, they'll make a jacket out of your skin. I have a genuine fear of bears. <laughs> you one should. Of my, They're terrifying. One of my greatest, like, nightmares is what, like, someone wrote an article about. They were like, they were like, I'm a guy who lives in the middle of nowhere, and every morning I like to wake up and run this trail, this mile-long path in the middle of the woods near my house. Well, this morning I woke up and about 30 yards away from me was a bear coming down the opposite end of the trail. What I have learned to do is backpedal my entire way home, never letting my eyes off of it, because if it thinks I'm retreating, it'll chase me. Yep. And and keeping making noise and staying calm and making sure not to trip over anything. Yep. Yeah. No, he says back away slowly. And if it runs for you, the best you can do is try to get up high somewhere. Yep. And I mean, they can also climb. So some of them can climb. He implied that where he lived, they weren't the climbing type. Okay. Well, thank fucking God. It just kills me because they look like adorable, giant, like fat puppies with small round ears. And they look so sweet and so squishy, but they have claws, you know, the length of my forearm. And, you know, giant teeth, and they weigh, like, and a thousand strength, pounds, right, and they, they can also run weigh faster. a thousand pounds. And they can run faster than a car. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, that's terrifying. They're machines. Ev- evolution yeah. has made them just terrifying. Exactly. I think that it's proof that, like, if there is a god, they either have a cruel sense of humor, or they're just, like, evil. Because they wouldn't have made something so cute. First like, off, so there vicious. is no God. This is my well, podcast yeah, I mean... and I'm not going to spread FUD. So <laughs> let's, 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 you know, establish that ground rule right okay, off yeah, the base. For... Excuse Evolution me, has just... <laughs> made bears terrifying because we thought they were super cute and cuddly at one point. Well, you know what? We should have domesticated them like we did with dogs. So if you ask me, early man could have done a better job. We really could have. But <laughs> but I think that's how that's how we got cats. We also could if have I'm not, not mistaken. capitalism. Cats, so, you know. Wild cats were always much more gruesome than wild dogs. Wild yeah, dogs tracked true. in packs. Wild cats pretty much tracked alone. So I'd be more worried seeing a lion in the wild than a wolf. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Or a but tiger or a panther. Didn't cats kind of, like, domesticate themselves? Like Because they kind they're of lazy. Out. I mean, their, right. their thing is they want people to take care of them. So right. a certain breed of cat, the certain cast of cat that, that did become the domestic cat, even yes. back in Egyptian times, were just like, I don't give a fuck. Give me fish. They take, were like, Take Yo. care of me. <laughs> They were like, wait, these guys are idiots. Like, all they want right. to do is pet me and then give me free food. Right. Like, this they is became, awesome. <laughs> they became their own hero, you know? Yeah, they domesticated us. <laughs> Unfortunately, it happened the other uh, way around. It's so funny to think about. Well, yeah. I love cats. We're, we're, we're talking about so much we haven't even talked about, like, what what this show is even doing um so this (laughs) this episode was supposed to be um an interview with the author of stories to read alone at night but he uh, is otherwise busy and asked me to reschedule and i'm totally down for that so he's actually going to join us for like the finale 
of these stories. I think we're going to read everything that's left after this episode, and he's going to either write something new for us to read, or he's going to let us read something he hasn't released yet. And then we're going to talk about it with him. So I'm very excited for doing that. But honestly, I still had enough material of his left. Um, Shout out to One Page Wonder. Uh, That's that's his author's alias that he goes under um, for stories to read alone at night. Uh, Cannibal Siren and I have been reading these since the show started. Literally, it's our first episode together. Mm -hmm. Um, we, We read a couple of them. Uh, they've always been solid. They've always been very well written. Uh, I agree completely. Super experimental in form. Like, right. Not and one story is the same as the other. Exactly. That's part of why it's been so fun is because. Which is also so why his only stuff. sequel is so disappointing. Right. <laughs> Which is Mr. Stringy. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, and, the, and, and even then it's a good sequel story. It's just right. uh, it's just sad that we don't go anywhere different than just, like, retelling the original Mr. Stringy story. Exactly. And I mean, like, my, you know, my big problem was the whole, like, you know, fucking the whole weird pregnancy thing. I was not down for that, but I also just right. don't Which like Right, which was our last episode. We, we, right. Right. So it's like, you know, that's kind of like, I think, a personal preference thing for me. But regardless, I was just kind of happy to have Mr. Stringy back, honestly, because he was such a little freak. He is like, a little freak. He's got a he's fun a little, little smile. Freak, right? And he's got a fun little smile and little stringy hands and a he's fucking not stupid like, name. He's not like totally evil, right? No. He's just got like mostly. Evil. He's just like mostly evil. He's like whisper in your ear evil, not like cut your throat evil. Back to our good friend, Mr. Stringy, who's not that evil, but also kind of evil. Kind of evil. Uh. Um, <laughs> we also we, we read a couple different ones last time. I remember Zabelius the Ravisher. Oh, yeah, that was uh, great. I loved that. That was a fun one. The, that was the so interview funny. narrative of, of entering hell and not yeah, quite being that. qualified for it. Right. <laughs> um, the, it, it's I love uh, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, the Adult Swim yes. series with with wonderful Henry Zabrowski. Um, so it's it's fun to see that narrative kind of picked up by other people and ran with uh, in their own kind of interpretation, because if there is a system which I'm not saying there is. Um, but if there is. If there is a system such as hell, it needs to have a hierarchy. <laughs> so, exactly. Or else well, all of the tortured souls would just be doing whatever they wanted. <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, that's that's the D&D campaign I'm in right now. Is, that is know, the hell. D&D campaign you're in right now. <laughs> Give that a D&D shout out. <laughs> oh, so um, we so I I stream on my friend's Twitch. It's uh, Twitch TV slash gay undead. It's spelled exactly like that, and it's very fitting, actually, considering the D&D campaign that we're playing on stream. It's called Hell's Interns. We are all Hell's Worst Interns. We are in Hell. It is a bureaucracy, and it's everything you've ever not wanted. So there you go. I've, I wasn't even <laughs> trying to segue into that, but, but no, it's beautiful that something like that happened because I was going to tell you to talk about it later. Um, oh, great. Well, uh, if you want to watch me play a greasy, greasy little type A intern named Cleo, then feel free to tune in. I would absolutely love to see you. I can attest, having listened to, I would say, like an entire episode's worth, um, it is it is everything you expect it to be, which yep. is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, too. It's good to hear that coming from someone else. So, Well, you're a part you know, of my show. I had to go great. see what you were doing elsewhere. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I haven't invited you back so soon. It's because I know that you're busy doing doing other stuff. Oh, well, come on. You know this is important to me. And besides, if I get another Mr. Stringy in my life, like, you know, I can't let that go. That's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> so, um, so I, I wanted to open this year as, like ironically as I could because I fucking like I don't know if I say it enough I fucking hate Christmas so I yes. wanted to open the new year with a story about Halloween <laughs> excellent see and this works because I fucking love Christmas so between the two of us we'll come to a completely neutral opinion on Christmas that's that's fair that's fair um I wanted to start with a story called full-size candy bars when I asked Mark about these stories, which Mark is again one page wonder, the the writer of stories to read alone at night. Uh-huh. Um, when I asked him what he thought about the two stories we're gonna read today, he said that in his opinion they feel like stories that wouldn't necessarily work the strongest on a podcast. Okay. And, and I told him I'm gonna test that metal. All right. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what happens. I can. So, okay. So I can take this one. I love candy bars. What I was going to say is, do you want to be the, the Sally? Yeah, I'll be the Sally. Why not? And I'll, I'll read, my... I'll read narrator and we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. Sure. Sorry. My cat just made like an awful noise behind me, but there's literally nothing wrong. He's just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> as is, uh, as they do. Um, yes. so yeah, uh, let's introduce this one one more time. This is full size candy bars from stories to read alone at night. Okay. Don't forget to turn the porch light on or we'll never get rid of all this. Sally said, contemplating the plastic jack-o'-lantern brimming with full size candy bars. Name drop. Fuck yeah. And you better make sure that you give away every last one. The last thing I need is all that candy lying around when I still haven't lost the baby weight. It was our first Halloween in our new home. We'd been living in an apartment in the city and had never received trick-or-treaters before. Don't worry. I'm sure it'll be all be gone in no time, I said, making my way to the porch to, give a to get a view of the street. There wasn't a soul to be seen, but it was still early. I wondered if the little ghouls and goblins would make it as far as our house. We lived at the end of the development, and our house was so new that our neighbors hadn't moved in yet, nor had they broken ground on the houses across from us. The other side of the street was a wide-open field that would soon be turned into a row of houses that would be offered in colors such as Mediterranean sandstone and desert slate. Jesus. Just as ours had been. Within this is a, a horror story. <laughs> <laughs> Within a year, they'd be occupied by people like us, young couples retreating to the suburbs, seeking the safety of the herd. Ooh, okay. Back inside, we dressed our son in his costume, a black onesie with skeleton bones. It's not a fucking Fuck yeah, costume, dude. pussies. <laughs> and settled into a night of streaming old horror movies. After an hour had passed without so much as a footstep outside, I was glad that I had taken Sally's advice and not sprung for the fog machine and animatronic reaper like I had originally planned. Man, fuck you, Sally. That's great. I want to go hard. <laughs> I want the animatronic reaper. 
After another hour had passed and Sally had given me a hard time for opening her second candy bar of the night, I had mentally written off the evening as a bust. But a firm knock at the door soon lifted my spirits. I sprang to my feet and answered the door with a hearty, Happy Halloween! Ooh. Take the trick or treat. Okay, trick <laughs> <Yeah>. or treat! <laughs> the revelers <laughs> greeted back angrily. It was two <laughs> boys, one significantly older than the other. The older one was wearing a plastic devil's mask, and the younger was in a mask made of white paper plate with a drawn-on smile <laughs> and strands of yarn glued haphazardly for hair. That was Let's me. <laughs> totally. <He's> me. <laughs> Let's see, I said, surveying their costumes. A devil and a clown? I'm not sure either, mister. The older boy said. He says it's something he saw on the internet. Spent the whole week making it. Well, it's a great costume. I love the Halloween spirit. Let's see, I've got a Snickers for you and a Reese's for your cohort here. Full-size bars. The older boy said. And brand name ones to boot. That's mighty generous, sir. Well, I hope you enjoy them, tiny general. The last house was giving out pixie sticks. One per customer. That's disappointing. Hardly worth the effort. Well, have a good night and be safe out there. Will do. What a tiny gentleman. Yeah, really. The boys turned and left and I made my way back to the couch. You might want to take it easy on those, I told Sally. She's we don't want to run we don't want to <laughs> run out, you you big chunk. You fucking fat bitch. <laughs> Just as I made myself comfortable, another knock came at the door. I again grabbed the plastic jack-o'-lantern and hurried to the door. Happy Halloween. Thanks, but it's just us again. Say, my brother just noticed that he got a Reese's. That's mighty generous, like I said, but he's worried that the peanut butter will give him acid reflux. Would it be okay with you if he swapped for a... He paused as he surveyed the contents of the orange pumpkin. For a Milky Way? He didn't touch the Reese's. I think that would be fine, I said, swapping the bars out. It's not very COVID conscious. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, sir. Mighty generous. Don't mention it, I said, stepping back into the house. I see you have a son, the older boy said, nodding towards the car seat sitting next to the door. Yeah, how did you know it was a boy? 50-50. Is he out trick-or-treating? No, he's only three months old. He's inside with his mom. <laughs> That's nice. I think so. Say, we're not going to be hitting up any more houses. Do you think it would be alright if we waited across the street for our friends? I think that would be fine. The older boy nodded, and together they made their way across the street. Sally shot me a quizzical look. I just shrugged and return to my spot on the couch. Well, it's after eight. Time for mommy's glass of wine. <laughs> this was my cue to get little Joe ready for bed. Little Joe. Little Joe little Young. Joe. We called him <laughs> Little Joe so as not to get him confused with Sally's father, a giant ape named Big Joe. Big Joe <laughs> Young. Whom everyone... <laughs> I guess if Sally had been born a boy, she'd be known as Medium Joe. Oh, good. Medium God damn it. That's her fucking dad, funny. Her, well, he, he is a dad. He's allowed to tell dad jokes. 
It's true. Her dad had wanted to name her Josephina, (laughs) but her mother wouldn't allow it rightfully. I wondered if I could ever really feel romantic towards a girl named Josephina as I changed little Joe and tucked him into bed. I had always thought that Sally's name was part of her charm, that her personality would somehow be different if she had grown up a Josephina. Less bubbly, maybe. Someone's at the door. Sally called from across the house. I tucked little Joe in and made my way to the door, grabbing my plastic jack-o'-lantern on the way. Trick or treat, I said, opening the door. Aren't they supposed to say that? <laughs> I think so. It's okay. It, it's just us again. The older boy said, oh, how can I help you? It's my brother here. He needs to use the bathroom. I told him to go in the field, but he's too shy. Uh-huh. I know it's an imposition, but I was wondering if he could use your washroom. It's just a number one, he assured me. Sure, I said, opening the door wider to let the little whatever he was supposed to be inside. I'll just wait here to keep a lookout, the older boy said. I pointed the way to the bathroom just across the living room. Uh, He has to use the bathroom, I said to Sally. She frowned. She didn't like other people using our bathroom. She said I'd feel the same way if I had to clean it. Damn, what do you do? Do you not clean any bathrooms? <laughs> that's not very fair. You should rethink no, that that's marriage. that's shitty. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I stood awkwardly in the middle of the living room waiting for the boy to finish, and Sally took the opportunity to frown as she sipped her glass of wine. Good for A moment Sally. later, <laughs> the toilet flushed, and the sink ran for what seemed to be an excessive amount of time, and Sally looked quizzically towards the door. Good hygiene, I whispered, to which she answered by frowning harder. <laughs> A moment later, the bathroom door opened and the boy made his way across the living room to the front door. I followed him and made sure he got out all right. Did you notice anything about his costume? Sally asked as I sat back down. His brother said it was homemade, something he saw on the internet, I said, filling her in. No, not that, the eyes. What about them? There weren't any. I thought something was off when he came in, so I made sure to take a good look at him as he left. His mask didn't have any eyes cut out, just a drawn-on smile. You're drunk, I said dismissively. (laughs) I've had two sips of this. I'm telling you, his mask didn't have any eyes. She grew more excited as she reasserted what she had seen. Well, he didn't seem to have any problems seeing, so maybe he had, like, little slits cut out so you wouldn't be able to see them from a distance. I don't like it. I think that's the point, you know, being Halloween and all. (laughs) Sally got up and spied out through the blinds. Who's that other guy with him? She asked in a hushed tone. They said they were waiting for their friends. It doesn't look right. I followed Sally to the window and lifted a small gap in the blinds, and she was right. There were now three figures standing in the field. As if alerted by our peering eyes, they all turned toward the house. One of the taller figures then started walking towards us. Sally and I both jumped back, trying to act normal. There was a knock at the door. Trick or treat, the boy said. He was wearing a Ronald Reagan mask. Oh, I, placed a th- I placed a three <laughs> musketeers in his sack. I hate to be a bother, but do you by chance have any Reese's? He asked, offering up the three musketeers. Anything for the jipper? 
Gipper? I don't I don't get the reference. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. We're not old. I'm going to say anything. Huh? For, we're not old. <laughs> anything for the Gipper, I said, huh? placing the Reese's in his bag. Huh? <laughs> Your mask. Ronald Reagan. He was called the Gipper. He cocked his head like a Labrador. Well, thanks for the Reese's. He said after a moment. And congratulations on the baby. Thanks, and you're welcome, I said, waving the boy on. Why did he say that? Say what? Congratulations on the baby. Why would he say that? I think he was just being polite. The other boy had commented on the car seat. I don't like it. They should check the child's room at this exact yeah, I don't, moment. I don't, I don't <laughs> like it should, there are reasons they should check things. I know Sally you said don't. that, but I also said that. Yeah, she said it with a frown. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't, I said reflexively before she had a chance to get really upset. There was another knock at the door. Happy Halloween, I said. Trick or treat. They answered. It was a group of three boys in three Stooges masks. Spread out. Nyak, nyak, nyak. I said, making a comical slapping motion, and the, bo the boys just stood there silently. Oof. Come on, I said. You have to admit that my mo was spot on. Oof. Their silence suggested that they did not agree. Damn. <laughs> I placed a candy bar into each of their sacks and wished them a good night. Full-size bars. Nice touch, sir. Thanks. Those aren't cheap. Well, Halloween only comes once a year. That's true. Though, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but you really could have done with some more decorations. I know. I'm hoping to really go all out next year. You must be new to the neighborhood. Yeah, we just moved in. Well, enjoy the house and congratulations on the new family. Thanks. See you around. I watched the boys cross the street, joining their other friends in the field. Some other kids must have arrived during our exchange because... There appeared to be a good dozen or so kids milling around. I gave them a hearty wave and wondered if we'd ever end up having enough candy for everyone. Why are all those kids out in the field? Sally asked. And why do they keep commenting on the baby? It's weird. I think they were just being neighborly. Isn't that why you drug us out here? You can't hold that over my head. We agreed we would give little Joe a proper childhood free from crime and smog and failing schools. And free from the culture and art and life. Of course, I didn't say that. And why she, Why was she getting so uppity? I was doing my best to embrace it. Me with the full-size candy bars and hearty, happy Halloweens. But before I could address any of that, there was another knock at the door. Happy Halloween, I shouted to the two boys, a wizard and a He-Man. A king-size Snickers, you must be new here. He-Man said, just moved in from down south san francisco that doesn't make you better than us the wizard said i uh didn't think it did sorry for my friend he man interrupted but but you, you yeah. just have to understand that some folks think that about themselves well i wasn't thinking that i just wanted to pass out some candy it's really generous he man answered by the power of grayskull i said <laughs> More blank looks. Well, have a good night, I said, waving them on.
There's at least a couple of dozen of them out there. Sally said, peeking through the blinds. This isn't right. They shouldn't be out there, not at this hour. Well, it's just a field. I don't think there's anything we can really do about it. I'm going to call the police. The little one's too young to be out so late without an adult. And turn off the porch light. I don't want any of them coming back here. I think they're behaving innocently enough, I said, flipping the switch to the porch light. Maybe she was right. They did look a little young to be out so late, and I really hated the thought of our house getting egged. It could ruin the paint. That's cobalt harvest with Pacific Desert trim. I considered going across the street to ask them what was up, but this was suburbia after all. It was probably better to let the police handle it than get confronted later by their angry parents or worse yet, sued. Where's my phone? Didn't you leave it on the coffee table and maybe you knocked it off in your drunken stupor? Stop it. I'm serious. I can't find it. Let me just call you, I said, making my way to the hall tree. Honey, did you move my phone? I had it charging here. Those kids took it. She snapped. You let the little one in to use our bathroom and he stole our phones. I don't think he stole anything. You were watching him like a hawk. You would have seen it. This is exactly why I told you we should have signed up for a landline. Sally said as she tore the couch apart. I doubted that she had this exact scenario in mind when she suggested that we get a landline installed along with the internet and TV. But what were we dealing with anyways? Phone? Thieves? It didn't seem likely. If those kids had stolen our phones, they wouldn't be so brazen as to stick around. Even if we didn't have a landline, they wouldn't know that. This is ridiculous, I finally said, after watching Sally move from tearing apart the couch to the recliner. If they have our phones, I'll just go ask for them back. I grabbed the jack-o'-lantern, thinking I might fashion a trade, our phones for the rest of the candy. It sounded like a good old-fashioned Halloween prank when you put it that way. Mm. But before I could explain my plan to Sally, we were interrupted by the sound of the toilet flushing. Then the sink faucet running, and I turned to the bathroom door to find it closed. A moment later, the water stopped and the door opened. Out stepped the little boy with the paper plate mask. He gave us a once-over and proceeded to show himself out. Curious, I followed him to the door, which he opened after straining to reach the knob. As the door opened, I was greeted by the original boy with the devil's mask. There you are. I'm the sorry, mister. He must have given you quite a fright. How did he get in here? I snapped impatiently. He didn't want to disturb you now that you'd turned off your porch light, so he let himself in through the window. He gets pee shy, like I said earlier. That's... that's no excuse. You can't go breaking into people's homes like that. What if we had a gun? Do you have a gun? The older boy asked a little too innocently. No, but yes, I might. This is America, after all. The little one muttered something unintelligible through the paper plate. Are you sure? That's a real shame. They had good candy, too. The older boy said. Solemnly. What's he saying? I demanded. Gee, mister, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but he says you're going to die tonight. That's it. I need you to get out of here. I'm not going to be threatened by a bunch of middle school punks like this. I'm sorry again, sir. I am, but it's not a threat. How can it not be a threat? 
It's a statement of fact, like the sky is blue or cats meow or your house is going to burn. Get out of here, I yelled, slamming the door on them. Why are they saying that? Sally choked. Oh my god, Joey. She turned on her heels to the nursery, and a moment later the walls reverberated with a guttural cry. I ran after Sally, crashing headlong into her in the hallway. He's gone. He's gone. Are you sure? I said, pushing her aside on my way to the nursery. The room was undisturbed. The nightlight, baby monitor, crib, all of it positioned just so. Only the baby, my son, was nowhere to be found. Incensed, I again marched past Sally on my way to the front door, and she babbled and choked on her words, but was far past making any sense. I stopped at the door and peeked through the blinds, and the boys were standing in the same place they had been earlier, only now they were all facing the house. I couldn't get an exact count in the dark, but it looked to be at least 50? Christ. Could I strong-arm my way through such a large mob of tweens? <laughs> I'd let myself go since college, sure, but I figured I could easily take on a half dozen, maybe more. Hey, don't don't you put yourself down too much. You'd be surprised how much a, a hearty adult kick could probably put a kid down. It's true, but these kids are freaks, so we're not That's a good point. We don't know what we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plus, you I'm couldn't underestimate the power of adrenaline in these types of situations. I'm going out there, I announced. You'll need this, Sally said, poking me in the back. I, I turned to find her holding my old baseball bat. It had belonged to my grandfather and was made from solid hickory, heavy and dense. We need to get our son, she said, and I nodded, reaffirmed by the butcher knife she brandished in her other hand. I think p most people would think that an odd choice in a group melee situation, but the girl could debone a chicken in seconds flat. She'd gotten on this kick once watching cooking videos on YouTube. She watched a French chef debone a chicken in two minutes and swore she could do it faster. When I called her out on it, we ate chicken for weeks until she beat his time. And then she watched one of those PETA videos that show how chickens are raised and swore off <laughs> foul forever. The point being that I trusted her with a knife over, say, an axe or a length of heavy ga gauge chain. Just get little Joe and run to the nearest neighbor, I said. I'll hold them off. Sally nodded. She crouched, knife in hand, as if preparing to run some grotesque relay race. I readied the bat and opened the door. Trick or treat, they shouted. They must have been waiting for us on the porch. A split second later, I felt the concussion of a bat to the head. The ensuing reverberation and hollow metallic tone suggested it was aluminum. Not as heavy as hickory, but wicked fast. That was the trade-off. Then another blow, followed by another. Bodies filed past. A Mr. T, strawberry shortcake, a werewolf, Garfield carrying a length of razor wire like a garrote. Sally screamed. I don't think anyone got deboned. <sighs> the butcher knife was an impractical decision. The whole situation really called for shotguns or flamethrowers. If we'd had more time, we could have improvised something. There was gasoline in the shed. As I laid there on my side, the blood beginning to congeal around my forehead, causing it to stick to the floorboards, the boy with the devil's mask approached. He was holding a baby, little Joe, dressed in a paper plate mask. 
complete with yarn and a crooked hand-drawn smile. It's nothing personal, mister. I tried to nod, but was convulsing so badly, I wasn't sure if he got the message. Then the other little boy appeared, brandishing a road flare that illuminated the porch in hues of pink and red. It reminded me of Christmas. Fuck Christmas. The porch <laughs> would have looked so festive with lights. Maybe. Some tasteful garland. True Americana. Lit up so clearly now, I can see that Sally was right. His mask didn't have any holes for eyes. It was just an effect. Curious. Don't worry. We'll take good care of him. I finally felt at peace, reassured by his words, that little Joe would grow up to be alright, that he'd be among friends. It was comforting somehow. And then the Porsche light began to slip and faded to distant images of awkward potlucks and homeowners association meetings. And Sally, aged now with a terrible haircut and leggings for pants and minivans and soccer tournaments and little Joe moving away in search of some excitement and a reverse mortgage and the nursing home. Maybe little Joe will come and visit. Wouldn't that be nice? And everything fading to gray and growing distant and hollow and cold as it's all buried underneath the inevitable weight of future generations who build over subdivisions like this, then dig up the ruins and proclaim these people must have been real assholes. Who else would have wanted? Wanted to live like this. I should have splurged on the animatronic Reaper. That would have been really something. <laughs> what, an wow. in, what an interesting, what an interesting way to tell that story. Because <laughs> like you know it. how we were talking about nihilism and existentialism yes. before. Yeah. <laughs> what a what wow. a perfect way to summarize how I feel about life. That was great. <laughs> I actually was really liked that. That was fun, and I'm gonna assume that that is uh, his version of like black eyed kids. You know, like the little yeah. immortal kind of creepy kid stereotype right. that 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 well black-eyed kids be uh b-e-k's are like actual supernatural phenomenon i'm not sure if you're familiar um, um i don't think so because the only like kids supernatural phenomenon that i'm familiar with is like you know people always talk about like when they see ghosts they always see like little kids sure you know like they always talk about the stereotypical like victorian child bullshit sure. but you know then that's like the more that people talk about it, the more it's like, no, that's not all ghosts or Victorian children. Them are demons right. Right. pretending to be something that is black eyed kids, I think, came around like the 90s, 80s uh -huh. or 90s. Um, and they're really just a story of weird incidences with kids where it's so late at night, you can't see where they're looking. And it's implied that like they don't right. have like Solera. They're just mm -hmm. they're just all black. So you can never tell. And they, and they mostly do the Slenderman shit where they try to get inside your house. Creepy. Which is exactly what happened in this story. Yeah, that's true. I guess um, that they never should have let him use the bathroom, huh? Yeah, it's implied that these kids might be um, alien in nature, that they might mm -hmm. be demonic in nature or, you know, monstrous in nature, changelings, maybe. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, what's what's more innocent than a little kid trick-or-treating, you know? You you yep, let them into way. your house because of the customary tradition of giving them candy, so why not? The little kid has to pee, you know? Yeah, sure, you can use the bathroom, kid. Why the fuck not? 
But I definitely would have like went with him, you know. Yeah, no, I would. I would have also checked the bathroom after after the kid got out to make sure that the window wasn't open, you know. Yep. (laughs) There, there are just things I I do as a person where I'm always cautious of my surroundings. Right, because anybody um, could be a demon. Because anybody can (laughs) bust into your house and touch your touch your parts. Right. So or or touch your stuff, which is even worse. Which is even worse. It's even worse. Anyway. I have a fucking I have so many useless uh, creamer containers that I've hoarded from antique shops and nobody can fucking touch them <laughs> except me. I love <laughs> I love that about you. <laughs> Literally the amount I have is uh, startling. It's a, it's a startling number. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. All right. So go go to the top of the document. All right. The the next story I want to read is a nice wiry boy, which I'm going to let you read and I will read for the boy if he says anything. Oh, my God. Is this Mr. Stringy's backstory? I don't know. It's a nice wiry boy. I don't know what that means. This is (laughs) stories to read alone at night. What do you what do you what do you think of when you think of wiry boy? Um, I think of a a weird dude who I let touch my boobs in like middle school. Fuck. Yeah. Mistakes were made. We all make mistakes. <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> Everybody has those days. <laughs> Nobody <perfect. laughs> A nice wiry boy. All right. Let's find out about this nice wiry boy. Is he nice? Is he a boy? Is he wiry? <laughs> all, um, all to be concluded. <laughs> <laughs> Edward was a nice boy. Soft-spoken and attentive in the way that might make the older folks stop and say, well, bless his heart. I hate him already. (laughs) Yeah, and also, don't worry. That's not true, because anyone who says, well, bless his heart, uh, is not saying it positively. If someone says, well, bless your heart, I'm from the South. If someone says, well, bless your heart to you, they are calling you stupid. Yeah, yeah. They are insulting you. You are simple. So Edward is stupid is where we're at so far. Well, bless his heart. The kind of boy a girl might not notice, not right away. The kind of boy I was hopelessly drawn to right from the start. He was a year older, but had a locker next to mine. We'd run into each other sometimes between classes. He'd say hello as he studied his loafers, as though he could never remember whose face was on the penny. Good afternoon, Janine. He said, swapping out his books for his gym clothes. Nice weather today, isn't it? I nodded along and did my best to meet his dark brown eyes. They were as brown as his loafers and reflected a quiet tenderness. Hold on, there we go. That only a girl of quality could appreciate. (laughs) All right, Janine, get it, I guess. It's a nice day today, isn't it, Edward? Not a cloud in the sky. He smiled affably into his shoes. Tell me, Edward, do you know what's so special about today? I asked. He looked up from his loafers, showing his oversized front teeth through an affable grin. Tonight's the harvest moon. (laughs) Captain. (laughs) Tonight's the harvest moon. Did you ever watch Over the Garden Wall? I fucking love Over the Garden Wall. It sounds like that. uh, It sounds like one of those like pumpkin people. Oh shit! Yeah. Tonight's the oh, harvest moon. I, <laughs> I suppose a lot of kids will be heading out tonight. Boys taking their girls out to enjoy the scenery. It's a known fact that the rain follows the equinox like clockwork. 
<laughs> I'm gonna fucking beat the shit out of this game. <laughs> I, I'm on the spectrum. <laughs> Stop! No! See, now I look terrible. <laughs> gotcha! Oh, gotcha again. This, this whole fucking podcast has been a one giant smear campaign. <laughs> For me. <laughs> this is life. Oh, it, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm done. <laughs> Scrap it. We're we're done with it. You're, you're done. You're done. Do you need me to re reread it? And possibly worse. Yeah, just just go for it. Just it's a known fact that the rain follows the equinox like clockwork. I'm choking to death. <laughs> oh, is it? I'm used. The upperclassmen are all driving out to the locks. I hear the moon's reflection on the river is breathtaking this time of year, I said, hoping the poor boy would catch the softball. It is. I saw it once with Mother. We took oh. a drive out that way a few years ago. Mother made a pie. A pie? Apple crisp, actually. She ruined the crust. Is that what they drive all the way out there to do? Eat pie? A deep rouge broke out across the poor child's cheeks. I wouldn't know, Janine. Call me Jeannie, Edward. I wouldn't know, Jeannie. That's a shame. A senior like you not knowing what goes on out by the locks. A real shame. Your face is redder than a raspberry. Are you breaking out in hives? I'm feeling just fine. Did I hear the bell? It rang five minutes ago, Edward. There's no helping it now. We're going to be tardy. The color ran from his face. I can't be late. Coach makes you run laps if you're late. He said, looking pensively down the empty hall. I think we got preoccupied with all that talk of the weather. Fascinating stuff. He checked his wristwatch and stammered. It, it, it was nice to talk to you, Jeannie, but I can't be late. You're going to leave me here all alone in this empty hall? Edward Munson, have you forgotten your manners? Sorry, no, Jeannie. Good. I'd hate to think you were just like all those other boys taking their girls all the way out to the locks to leave their manners behind. Damn, Jeannie. <laughs> she's fucking, she's going to eat this kid alive. She might. <laughs> he began tapping his foot. But you wouldn't know anything about all that, would you? The apple crisp? Was all he could offer. <laughs> Fuck, Edward. <laughs> doesn't, your doesn't your father have that new Mercury? That sure is a nice car. I've never ridden in something so nice. My father isn't such a man of means. The cougar. Yeah. Is that what they call it? That sounds like a powerful automobile. I hear it's otherworldly to feel the engine rev in something like that. I've heard all that horsepower can make a person go wild, though I don't suppose you'd know anything about that. He lets me use the car. He said, mustering up what bravado he could. He never drives it at night. <laughs> the question was on his lips, but the poor boy was as mute as he was red in the face. So the car's free tonight, I finally said. Yeah, it's a really nice car. I'd love to see it. Well, you should. I could take you for a ride. I'd like that. 
I'm free tonight. So am I. Edward, are you alright? Beads of perspiration formed around his temples. You can pick me up at ten, I finally said. Ten at night? That's kinda late, isn't it? We're already late. Sometimes good things can happen when you're tardy. I don't know. I'd have to ask my father. Edward, do you like my skirt? It's not too short, is it? It's nice. He said, staring at my legs. Leave something to the imagination. I'll be waiting for you outside. Ten sharp. Edward may not have been particularly sharp, but the boy was punctual. His father's behemoth pulled up at ten o'clock without a second to spare. Though, in all fairness... I could did see him circling the block for a good ten minutes beforehand. <laughs> a girl could appreciate that kind of enthusiasm. You must be wound like a clock, I said, as I made my way across the large bench seat, pulling his armor on my shoulders. Ten o'clock on the dot. I didn't want to keep you waiting, Jeannie. That's very nice of you. Now get me out of here. <laughs> the engine pulled the car at a good clip causing me to sink into Edward's arms and making me wish I had been born to a father of such estimable means. Before long, we were on the open road, heading east to the locks. What a beautiful night, I said. Play some music, Edward. He turned a dial, and the sounds of big band music whirled about the cabin. Why don't you do right? <laughs> like some other men do, Janet Lee lambited, <laughs> as the signal ebbed and flowed to the subtle changes in the car's direction. I, I do you, love that song. Actually. I do love that. I I actually got uh, I got the soundtrack to uh, Roger Rabbit on vinyl for her literally. Birthday. That's also the first time I ever heard it. <laughs> it's a solid fucking song. Yes. I hope you don't mind the classics. Rock and roll is fine and all too. We we could listen to that if you like. I love the classics, Edward. The highway ambled east as it followed the river. Fingerlings of moonlight danced across the wide expanses of black water as they cut out and reappeared through solitary banks of fir trees. Edward was quiet. No one would ever accuse him of being a chatterbox, but his silence made me uncomfortable. He was driving me to the locks, after all, and that did at least warrant some exchange of pleasantries. There's a legend I heard once about a hitchhiking girl, I said, trying to break the ice. Drivers see her here sometimes late at night. They say she's wearing old clothes like a flapper and that she's soaking wet. When they ask where she's headed, she gives an address and says she has to get home and that her mother's worried sick about her. So the driver agrees. Sometimes it's just a trucker. Sometimes it's a family that picks her up, but they all give the same description of the girl and they say that after a few miles, she just ups and vanishes into thin air. Edward's arm tensed around my shoulders. You don't believe in those stories, do you? I don't know, I said, but the thing is that after she disappears, the driver is so shaken up that he just goes to the address. It's a house deep in the southeast. They go to the door, and there's an old woman living there. The driver gives a description of the girl, and the old woman says it's her daughter trying to get home. And then it always happens around the harvest moon. The driver's confused and offers to call the police, but the woman says it's no use because her daughter drowned in a boating accident 30 years ago. Edward drew a deep breath and tensed his arm. I grabbed his hand gently and pulled him in closer. It still doesn't make any sense. Why does the girl keep disappearing? <laughs> this kid is hurting my fucking feelings. 
I think her spirit's bound to the place where she died, I answered, as though it couldn't have been more obvious. She keeps trying to get home, and she can't. But... Edward said with uneasy concern. If she died, wouldn't she go to heaven? Maybe she doesn't know she's dead, I suggested. I don't think it works that way. When you die, you go to heaven. He answered resolutely. So you don't think it's true, I asked. No, it's just a childish tale, nothing more. Girls don't just disappear into thin air. But people tell that story all the time, about the girl on Highway 26. Why would they make up such a story? Edward shrugged. Mass hysteria, that's all. Like, with people believing their neighbors are communist spies. But there are spies. You hear about it on the news, I said. I don't know why I was making such uncomfortable conversation, but I couldn't help myself. So if some of the people are actually telling the truth and do have the Rosenbergs for neighbors, isn't it also possible that some people pick up hitchhiking girls who turn out to be ghosts? I'm not saying it's not possible, but I don't think there's any truth to that story. Not in the specifics, anyhow. Not in the specifics? And how would you know? I asked defensively. It's just that I've heard that story before. Only it took place in Eugene. A man is driving along late at night and he sees a girl walking out in front of an old cemetery. He's concerned because it's so late, so he stops to see if she's alright. The girl says she's trying to get home from a party and that her house isn't very far away. The man offers her a ride and she accepts, but as soon as they cross the bridge, she disappears. The rest of the story with him visiting the girl's mom is the same as in your version. Well, maybe somebody here just told that story to someone in Eugene and that person changed the details, I said. It doesn't mean that the girl on Highway 26 isn't real. No, it doesn't. Edward agreed. But doesn't it make you think that maybe every town has a version of that story? But mine's the original, I blurted. I know it is. Every year... On the harvest moon, she appears on the highway by the locks. Everyone knows it's true. Just ask them. I was so busy trying to get the dolt to see my point of view that I hadn't been paying attention to where we were. Before I knew it, Edward pulled off the highway and turned onto a small road that led into an open park. Various cars were parked along the side of the road. Some people uh, had people milling about the outside, but most were closed tight with fogged windows. Edward eased the car into a small turnout that was flanked by some trees and put the car into park. That's why you wanted me to take you out here tonight to see the girl. You don't really want to park with me. Edward, that's not true, I started, but my voice trailed off. He was right, even if I hadn't fully realized when I made him ask me. He was a nice enough guy and certainly not offensive to the eyes. I mean, we can, if you want, I said, steering my lips towards his cheek. I stole a quick taste of his aftershave before he pushed me away. I can't. Not if you don't want to. That wouldn't feel right. Oh. He stole his arm from around my shoulders. We can watch the road, though, if you want. Just to see if your version of the story is true. It's just over there, I said, pointing up the road a ways. That's where the marina used to be. It's where she appears. 
The behemoth hesitated under its own weight for a moment before lurching into motion with a groan. He drove cautiously, scanning the road. I think this is it. He said, pointing off into the distance. The road road dips dips here. here. Sorry. (laughs) No, that was my bad. It's you. It's not me. The road dips here towards the river. It was probably a boat launch once. He pulled the car to the side of the road and again put it into park. Turn off the lights, I said, eager to catch a glimpse of the girl. The road ahead went pitch black and we sat in silence, contemplating our surroundings to the low hum of the engine. Maybe you're right, I said after some time. Maybe the girl is nothing more than a story. I'm sorry to have dragged you all this way on false pretenses. Edward grunted apathetically. (laughs) You can kiss me if you like. Just keep it above the neck. It wasn't much of a consolation, I admit, but he didn't respond. I looked to Edward and he was staring through the darkness, his brow furrowed. That was our last trip out. He said meekly after some time. Your what? Our trip. The apple crisp. It was the last time we went anywhere as a family. The last time mother left the house. She died not long after. I'm sorry, I didn't know. I shouldn't have asked you to come. I asked you, remember? He said. A curious smile formed at the edges of his mouth. It was a sunny day. Mom said it was perfect picnic weather, so she baked the crisp and we picked up a chicken dinner to go. Then Dad stopped and picked up a bottle. He hasn't put it down since. He got so drunk that the day he passed out in the sun and woke up with a wicked sunburn. Then he threw up into some poor family's hibachi and (laughs) challenged them all to a fight. He had this wild look in his eyes. He was so angry. I'm so sorry, Edward. It's not your fault. What happened after that, I asked, unable to mask my curiosity. Mom grabbed me and started marching me home. She was so mad I think she intended to walk the whole way. But a man who saw what happened drove us home in his truck. The three of us rode together in the cab. When I woke up the next day, Dad was there drinking coffee and reading the paper at the table. They just acted like nothing had ever happened. A few weeks later, Mom stopped eating. Then she stopped getting out of bed. Then one day, some men showed up in an ambulance. They covered her in a sheet and wheeled her out. You didn't get to say goodbye? He shook his head. Edward, that's so sad. But like you said, I'm sure she's in heaven now. I pray for her. He said. Every night. That's sweet. I'm sure she hears you. I hope not. Edward began to say when he was interrupted by what sounded to be a scream. We both fell silent and looked to each other for verification. A second scream soon followed. It sounded like a girl. It can't be, I said thinking I was finally about to meet the famous girl of Highway 26. Get off of me, the voice said, and soon a silhouette of a girl emerged from the darkness not far from where we were parked. I heard a car door slam and a man's voice shout, Get back in the car! I peered through the windshield. It was a woman, she was wearing a white summer dress, and she was running straight for us. I said get back in the car! The other voice shouted. Soon a man appeared just behind her and grabbed her by the arm, turning her around. 
Is that Margie Stillman? He was right. It was Margie, and that was Jimmy Tillman, dragging her back to the car. Margie tried to break away and run towards us, but Jimmy had her by the arm. He picked something up with his free hand, a large rock, and violently swung Margie around towards him before striking her across the head. Margie instantly went as limp as a rag doll. I said, get back in the car! Jimmy shouted. He turned, still holding her firmly by the arm, and proceeded to drag her behind him. I turned to Edward, but he was already well out of the car and in running in a full-out charge towards Jimmy, who still appeared to be unaware of our presence. You, Sorry, that's you. You leave her alone. Edward shouted as he ran at a frightening pace. Jimmy turned and brandished the rock above his head, ready to strike. Jimmy was big, he played football, but Edward was quick and wiry. If high school had taught me anything, it was to never discount the quick, wiry boys in a fight. They'd be on top of you before you knew what hit you. Jimmy hesitated, seemingly unable to decide between the rock in his one hand and Margie's arm in the other. Instead of committing, he dropped them both and ran to his car. A second later, he peeled out, leaving a wake of dust and exhaust. Gathering my senses, I ran towards Margie and Edward. He was holding her now, cradling her head in his hands and pleading for her to come back. I knelt beside her. She was pale white and a river of blood flowed from beneath her mousy brown hair. Oh no, oh no. Edward repeated as he rocked her in his lap. I felt a surge run through my entire body, pure electricity. I placed my ear over Margie's mouth and two fingers on her throat like they had instructed us to in health class. Edward, would you be still for a second? I snapped, trying to get a clear read on the situation. But there was nothing. No final gasp, no death rattle, no final confession. Just Margie's body. I looked to Edward. He was still holding her tight. Tears streamed down his cheeks. He was the sort of boy who would have happily taken the bite of that blow for her, but he arrived too late. She's gone, I said. I know. He said. I can feel it. What are we supposed to do now? Drive her home? I don't think we're supposed to remove the body from a crime scene, I said. We should probably get the police. I ran and found another couple not too far up the road. They weren't happy to be interrupted, even less so when I told them what had happened but they agreed to drive up to the service station and ring the police. I sat with Edward and Margie while we waited for the authorities to arrive. I studied Margie's face. She looked so still, so pure. She had developed something of a reputation, or so I'd heard, her reputation that was entirely undeserved. She once told me that she'd gone on a couple of dates with a basketball player, but that he'd wanted to take it too far, so she called it off. Jilted, he told the entire team that he had dumped her because he had caught her sleeping around. Being high school, the players told their girlfriends, and so on. Thus, a reputation was born. I guess Jimmy was the sort of guy who would go for a girl like that. Maybe maybe even seek one out for the harvest moon. The authorities soon came. They took a brief statement from each of us and told us that they would be in touch with our folks and that they'd handle it from here. Huh. Edward said as we pulled back out onto the road. What's that supposed to mean? I asked, still shaken by what had just transpired. My old man always said that when you're rich, you can do whatever you want. I guess he was right. Well, his dad employs a lot of people, I said. I should know. Mine worked for him. It's a shame. Edward said. Margie just wanted to go home. That's all. If only I'd been faster. 
Maybe I could have saved her. But we didn't even know they were. Nobody out there could have known that. Besides, you were as fast as lightning. Something out of a comic book, really. And it was true. I'd never thought of Edward that way before. Nice guy, sure, but protect her? Edward just frowned and drove on. I spent the rest of the night trying to piece everything together. I tried to imagine Jimmy asking Margie out that night. What did he tell her? That they were all going out for a bonfire? All in a group? Probably. Did he try to act surprised when she asked why nobody else turned up? In that location? How many times did she say she wanted to go home? My head was reeling. Before I knew it, we were parked in front of my house. Edward and I looked at each other. He was still visibly upset. Well, I guess we'll be hearing from the police tomorrow, I said. I'm not so sure, but the entire school will know what happened. So you don't think Jimmy's going to see any repercussions? I wouldn't hold my breath. I feel bad for her. She just wanted to go home. He nodded. I know this sounds strange, I said, but is there any chance you'd take me back there next year on the Harvest Moon? Margie's in heaven now, he said flatly, but I tried to interject as he drove away. Poor little boy. Little did he know he'd be proposing right after graduation. His idea, of course. <laughs> what an interesting ending. <laughs> what? Huh. I don't know. What just happened? <laughs> it's kind of just like a little experience. Yeah. I really don't know how to categorize it in my head. Um, yeah, I'm not. I kind of sure saw it coming. That. Let me let me let me say that much that I didn't think the characters were going to do anything. I thought they were going to witness something and I was right. Same. I actually thought of Zodiac, mm -hmm. like those people who were in the in the parked car and they witness someone else like get shot and they have the wherewithal to drive away as fast as possible. Right, exactly. Um, I don't know. Um what what just happened was me try not to read like Forrest Gump for like fifteen pages, because <laughs> um, I really wanted to throw that accent in there because I felt like that's what we were that's what we were doing. Yeah, um, I think that was the energy. I think that was a good read on but, it. But but there was something else going on there. Like like was this kid in tune with like death? Mm -hmm. Was he? Was he calling her out on the story because he just understands it more? Like, when he talks about his mom, when he talks about Margie, is he just... He's not just a nice, wiry boy, you know? Like, he's right, not just... Right. There's something more there, and that's that's kind of the play on the title. Right, exactly. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like right before the interview with One Page Wonder, I'm going to look mm -hmm. at all the titles and just write up a bunch of questions. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And be this like, is one I and be like, what can I talk to you about? And this one is going to be like, what is this story about? <laughs> yeah, I just want to know what's going on. Like, I also like her. I I really like this character, like this narrator. Yeah. And I can't tell if she is like, like I I can't tell if she is her like is some kind of entity hmm. herself. Because that's what I thought at first, but now I'm not so sure. Or if she's just a manipulative bitch. And I mean, I'm down either way, honestly. I don't think she's conniving in, in a way that I would associate with, like, a terrible person. 
No, no, I, think I don't she's, think she's a terrible. She's person. like manipulative. She's manipulative light, you know. Like she's she, she's manipulative zero, like without the sugar, you know. Right. She. I mean, for me, like this is a girl who wants. She says over and over again, "Wouldn't it be nice to have like you know quote unquote means." So she wants to be rich. This boy has money. He's very sweet. He's not ugly. She's like, great. This makes sense. Yeah. We're getting married. I well, <laughs> well, first she her ulterior motive, which is downplayed in the beginning, mm-hmm. honestly, is that she just wants to go go get spooked somewhere. Yeah, she just wants to. Check it out ironically supposed ghost. It ironically takes place at a local makeout spot. Right. It's just exactly. she. It leads from the beginning like she just wants to do nothing but make out. It's not right. until they're on the drive that she completely forgets that part of her and, and focuses on, I'm only here to see spooky thing. So right. when something actually bad happens, which is like their own version of that story, I guess. Yeah. You know, the beginning of that story is that, uh, you know, a girl was ditched out here and became a ghost. Maybe right. maybe the, the reason why she asks to go back out there next year is to see if Margie's still there. Yeah, that's definitely what she I think that's definitely what she was saying. She's like, oh, but this guess... story just happened in front of us. So let's see if it manifests in a ghost. Right. And I also feel like the it's and almost he disagrees. I... He says right. there is no ghost. She went to heaven. And, you know, ironically, it's what I like about it is that her like feelings towards him and her relationship towards him like that should that feels like it's supposed to be the focus of the story, but it becomes like a footnote. And at the end, it just informs the character. That's all. Right. Exactly. It's and at the very end, she's like, oh, well, we are getting married. Like he's proposing to me. Which is, of course, his idea. Right. Not mine. Right. right? Like, it's, she's like, yeah, this downplayed. is convenient. It's downplayed right. how much she actually likes this guy. Exactly. And I do think she genuinely likes him. Yeah. Like, I do think that she genuinely likes him. She's just also him. pragmatic. She sees him for what he is. He's just a nice, right. just a nice wiry boy. A nice wiry boy with That's a, a lot of money. That was a fun story. <laughs> yeah, I liked that one, actually. I really enjoyed that. I liked both of them. I thought both yes. of them were, were very interesting. And I'm going to go ahead and tell Mark uh, that he is he is wrong. Those are dialogue heavy stories. I think they work <laughs> perfectly in a podcast format. Yeah, they are I, conversations I like... between people. What what better thing to have two actors read on a podcast? Totally agreed. I actually I think I might have liked the Halloween one slightly more, but not by much. I think I have to think about it and decide. It gets to the spooky center. Uh, yeah, just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It does. But I also like I really like relationship stories. Yeah. Like stories about like not and not necessarily like romantic ones, but just like, you know, stories about two people in proximity I, to one another. I am. I you immediately reminded me of what I want to tell you when we're done recording the, the series, okay. the series idea I have for you. But I don't right. wanna, I don't want to bring it up on the show because I want it to be a surprise. Gotcha. All right. Well, I love surprises. So, so we need we need to clear this out. How did you feel? You said you liked you liked full size candy bars just a little bit more. I think so, but I'm not sure. Now that I'm said it, I feel like I actually changed my mind. <laughs> I like I like both of them, and I would say I like both of them the same amount. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if we're looking at stories to read alone at night in general, like across the board, there are definitely some stronger spooks. But oh, yeah, definitely. But 
they were also both very well written and dialogue heavy and mm-hmm. um just the perfect level of creepiness i would say um right. to to be unsettling not not to be terrified you know like right, i'm not right, i'm right. not terrified but they were unsettling and they were definitely stories to read alone at night you right know, we, that's we, a, that's why we come back to the I title like, exactly that's why i like the that's why i like this series so much though is that it is like I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of them are way scarier than others, but all of them and just we'll have get this really that. nice, yeah. very quiet, like creepiness to them. Yeah, that sort of slowly there, builds and then it culminates. There in something is not like, a like creepy pasta sense of like "boo, I got you." Right, bullshit. exactly. It's always the kind of like unsettling, unnerving, creeping dread type of thing. Exactly, which is um, my favorite shit. Which is fun. I love that shit. Yeah, that's why I that's why you and I dread. gravitate towards no sleeps a lot. Yes. Cuz no sleeps just tend to understand pacing above all else. Story yes. storytelling pacing. You know what's so funny is that like so I recently got back into reading again. Like I was one of those like oh, nerd kids reading. who read yeah. like 18, you know, thousand like chapter books at the same time. Uh-huh. And so I got back into reading again and it's funny because I like, you know, we do like uh like book it's almost like a book club in my apartment. I know and people we'll, like, in book clubs, yeah. Right. <laughs> and we'll give them like reviews and everything and like yeah. the biggest problem that I have with almost every single book I've ever written with like very few exceptions is pacing. It's always pacing. pacing like pacing is, tough. is always the problem and so when somebody does pacing really well i always notice it yeah and i think that that's one of those things where it's like yes like the pacing is very very good in almost all of these yeah no it really is it really is they i don't think any of his stories outstay their welcome agree i I also I, i also would say they 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 set out to tell the story that they're trying to tell and end like immediately after you find out what's going on so I would say that there's a um, there's a rereadability that's very strong with Definitely. them because you tend to pick up on different things the more you look at it. Oh um, yeah, without a doubt. There are several layers, and I th- I can appreciate mm-hmm. the way that that's you know compositionally built as well. Um, let's not lick Definitely. his asshole too much. We got to deal with him when we, when we <laughs> interview him uh, at some point. Well, we got to throw the I, hard stuff at him. We got to let him know that it's not going to be easy just sitting here with two assholes who've read all of his stuff before. It's true. And I mean, I, I have had my fair share of, <laughs> of criti- critiques. <laughs> and I thought, no, you know, you never think that somebody's actually going to fucking listen to what you're saying. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, we both went to art school. Yeah. Everyone has to listen to you tell them how much you hate whatever they made. Like, <laughs> nobody has to nobody has to hear you out here. So when I never, you know, when, when you're like, wow, I hated this. Like, you granted, I've never hated anything. But, like, <laughs> when you're like, oh, I really didn't like this part. You never think that somebody's going to be like, oh, hey, thanks for reading my thing and saying you didn't like <laughs> oh, there are definitely I'm 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 not even joking when I say I really am going to look back on everything this guy wrote and I and I'm sure I'm going to point out his weakest. And I'm going to bring it up with him. You know, I'm going to point it out. You you make <laughs> you make writers better by telling them what they're great at and what they're not. Sure. You need and to I mean, praise you know, them first. You need to tell them what they're good at and then you need to tell sandwich. them what they're not. It's the yeah, right. it is the critique. It is the critique notion. Um, critique sandwich. We we but, both have know. been critiqued enough to know that sometimes it also doesn't matter at all. It's true. Because you're, also, you're you trying know, to do you you make art for yourself. 
If oh, you're yeah. if you're no. trying to make art for an audience, you're doing it wrong. It's true. I mean, uh, listen, I, <laughs> I'm doing National Novel Writing Month. I'm behind, but I'm trying to finish. And like for the first time in my life, I'm like looking at this book and I'm like, you know what? Nobody likes this except me. <laughs> this this is for me. This is definitely for me. It's not for anybody else. That's fun. Yeah, it just I like happens. That. So you know what? I I hope that he's doing that. I hope that he just sits down and is like, this is for me. I like the story. Oh no, he like. definitely he definitely writes for himself and then says, I think other people would like this. So that's why he puts him up that. on a website. His own it's website. Of- you know. So anyway, um shout out to Stories to Read Alone at Night. Shout out to Mark. Shout out to One Page Wonder. Give him some stuff. Look at his shit. I usually don't source my stuff. That's that's a problem I have. Um, I just I just say where I found them so other people can go and find them and, and give them the nods they deserve or the shit mm-hmm. they deserve in some cases because I've absolutely read some stuff I don't like on oh, this same. show. Um, Without but, a doubt. <laughs> but with, with Love Comes Hate and that is the spectrum that we, we exist upon, um, I I had a lot of fun talking and, and reading cannibal it's been it's been too long and that's why i want to talk about your your next coming season uh Fuck yes. pretty much as soon as possible but until then i will uh i'll let you return to your slumber beneath the sea exactly back to my grotto where i hoard tiny creamer containers from various periods in time <laughs> and bones in that order Wait till the days end when the moon is high and little rise with the tide with the lust for life out. I'm messing on me, I won't run into horn and then we'll look across the land until we stand at the shore. I'll wait the days end when the moon is high and little rise with the tide with the lust for life out. I'm messing on me, I won't run into horn and then we'll look across the land until we stand at the shore.